I define it as someone that can deliver the wow factor, like mm. someone that lives out excellence. To me, it's less of a objective view and more subjective. I just can feel it personally. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Unlock Your Excellence podcast. I got a special guest today. Uh, my former coach, kind of um, mental skills expert, and I have a bio here to read. Uh, Lucas Jaden is my guest, and Lucas helps people with million-dollar opportunities to be consistent, present, and their best under pressure. His work includes clients from the MLB, NFL, NBA, and hyper-growth companies. He's authored two books, two of my favorite books, I will add, Win in the Dark, and the twin thieves which you can't see behind me but my shelf has about 17 copies of the twin thieves i'm holding it up right here it is probably my most gifted book uh it's one that i love to hand out to people when i first meet them instead of giving them a business card i give them the book Um, that most recent book was an instant bestseller in the high performance coaching category so lucas like i said is a mental skills expert uh, was my business coach. Uh, he fired me, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But most importantly, he's an awesome husband and a father as well. So Lucas, thanks a lot for being here on the Unlock Your Excellence podcast. I'm excited because I know part of today's episode is just going to be bringing a ton of value to people so that they can walk away in 50 minutes from now and have tangible tactics that they can use within the next 24 hours to start you know, on their own personal growth journey to being a high performer and uh, kind of like we like we say in the podcast, unlock the excellence that's within them. So thanks a lot for being here. No, thank you for having me, Mike. It's a really cool opportunity because I know that this has been a long time in the making. You put in a lot of work behind the scenes to make it happen. And it is an honor to be here. Well, I appreciate it. It has been. I've been talking to you about this for quite a while. So, hey, I'm not going to I'm not going to um, play favorites here. I'm going to start the episode like I would with any other episode, even though it's you on here. Uh, how does Lucas Jaden define excellence? You know, it's a great question, and I define it as someone that can deliver the wow factor, like mm. someone that lives out excellence. To me, it's less of a objective view and more subjective. I just can feel it personally. Um, and it's in all different crafts. When my when I get home uh, after work and my wife who stays home with our three little ones and is pregnant with our fourth, um, when she somehow miraculously whips up an incredible dinner as well in the midst of that chaos, I get a wow factor. Like, how did that just happen? <laughs> or when I watch our some of our clients, uh, was at Lambo last night and just being able to watch the elite do what they do like whoa two we're we're building a house right now and we had a guy who installed our tile of our shower in a way that made me go holy smokes so i guess that's the wow factor to me and it it's pervasive across all categories but to me you just know it and i personally love watching people who are truly excellent at their craft that's an awesome answer it's always like it's kind of an art. It's not a science. It's something that's like the it factor in a way. So yeah. tell me a little bit. I know a little bit about your story, but those listening might not know um, 
the Lucas Jaden story, I want to get into why mental skills. That's kind of where we're going with this initial question. But give us a little insight into your story. Um, you know, rewind the clock back to high school and growing up, uh, and then that the, the what led you to where you are today, and how you got into this arena of helping the highest of the high performers master their mental skills. Yeah, it's a great, a great question. And I'll, I'll give you the very quick overview and you can pull threads on whatever might be interesting. So yeah, if we go and rewind, um, really my story starts, uh, I'm from Freedom, Wisconsin, surrounded. I was the first in my family, but then also the first of all my cousins. We, we lived in a small farming community and um, I was surrounded by so much love. My aunts and uncles uh, made baby of the year shirt when I was born, that's the level of love. Um, and they might've had an issue, but that's on them. <laughs> no, but from my, from my early days growing up, I had so much support from my parents, from my aunts, uncles, my grandparents. Um, and, and going forward, mental skills really started for me though, when I was in high school. I love sports, like many of your listeners probably did. It was my passion. Um, and physically I had a lot of great things going for me, even academically at school, my outside world, I had it right where I wanted it to be. And I tried to get everyone to believe that. But if you really knew what was going on inside of me, you would have known that that wasn't quite the case. Um, around my freshman year of high school, I ran into some just really challenging mental situations where my mind would just constantly be on the go. It was constantly um, analyzing what I could have did better in the past in my basketball games or my practices. Um, or it was worried about the future. Was I going to be a starter as a junior on the varsity basketball team? Uh, where were my 5K running times going to be uh, at the state level when I was a senior? Like I was obsessed with trying to figure out and manipulate everything in my favor to work out the way Lucas thought it should be. And what I ran into now that I know is just a lot of stress to the tune of I wasn't sleeping well. Um, and 15, 20 years ago, mental skills at that time really wasn't a thing. And so the issue for me is I just thought I was broken. <laughs> I thought I was the one, I can't remember sitting at the lunch table with all of my friends being like, God, why am I the one that is mentally stuck? And I can literally remember laying in my bed at night. I remember it was probably around midnight because for me at that time, midnight was a great, if I fell asleep by midnight, I considered it a win. Um, just because it was a struggle. And I remember praying that if I could just be removed of this hold up, this struggle, that I would give back and support as many people as possible who are struggling with something similar. And so I think pain starts a lot of people on their journey. And I had a lot of pain and struggle during that time, um, but it really kickstarted this journey. And so fast forward, I became obsessed with learning about the mental side of things. Um, and learning from different people that were progressive and teaching people how to gain freedom from their own mind, how to train it, how to use it instead of get used by it. And I went to graduate high school, went to college, furthered my studies there, um, and then actually graduated as a teacher and came out teaching and coaching. And the whole time, my passion, though, as I experienced more freedom in the mental side of it, was helping other people to experience the same. And I don't know if you've ever had a big jump in your world in anything, but 
when you do that, people close to you start to notice. And so I just started teaching mental skills for free. Um, so for four years, I would teach during the day and then give free mental skills presentations at night, um, upwards of a couple hundred a year. And after four years of doing that, decided to leave teaching full-time to continue teaching this. And it's considered continued to accelerate where I get the, just the blessing to work with really high performers. Um, but that was the journey uh, along the way. Yeah, that's one thing that I wrote down is you you mentioned your mind was constantly on the go. And I'm envisioning myself in your shoes and even my own shoes as a high school student being in school. And the first thing that I go to is like, isn't that just normal? Isn't everybody just isn't your mind constantly on the go? And then what I think about is that's got to be like, how many students are dealing with this today? Because one of the things that you teach that you taught as a teacher was mental skills. You're teaching your students this, not just these high level coaches and business people, but you're teaching this through your coaching. Do you see that as a common issue that that students today are dealing with? Because I got to feel like the cell phone, the social media of the world, the everybody comparing to everybody else, it's got to be at a level that's astronomical, even compared to when you and I were in high school. Yeah. So my lie and the myth that I lived under was that I was alone. And what I learned is that there is not one person that I've worked with today who doesn't have their version of a mental challenge that they've had to overcome. Um, and so in high school specifically, I still get the honor to coach, uh, sorry, and teach a class of about a hundred high schoolers every single year. Um, and it's done virtually so that we can work it out, but they open my eyes because the kids that seemingly have it all together, man, there's some real struggle with the, the things that you just discussed being only hurting them or challenging them even more. Um, and I have a lot of empathy for our high schoolers today because they are incredible kids, man. They take themselves way more seriously than what I did. They do so much more, but there's a lot more expectations on them. And really a lot of my work is around one question. I'll ask in an anonymous survey before I go into a company or a sports team, what is the toughest mental challenge that you face to be the best version of you? And that started when I was teaching seventh grade. I asked my 87th graders that question. And when I got my feedback back from that survey, I can remember sitting down and almost tearing up as I went through the responses um, of fear, of stress, of anxiety. Um, and what I've done is I've continued to use that question to kick off all of my work when I go in places. And it's no different. What I've learned is the seventh grade classroom is very similar to the MLB locker rooms that I get into. It's mm. very similar to the startup companies that I get to work with. Just sometimes those people have more money and then they just amplify their problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of times that we think that the professional athletes of the world or the high level business people of the world, just because they have money, we use that as the filter for like, they don't have any problems. And if I'm assuming in your world, they just have different problems and sometimes maybe even more at amplified at a higher level. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you're asking that question before you're going into, before you're going into a company, before you're working with coaches, are there like, are there a couple top 
answers that you get? Is there a common theme that you see over and over and over that kind of has helped you craft your framework over the years? Yeah, that is exactly how we crafted our framework. Not from what we thought was the best, but what we just listened from the data. I've got probably over 35,000 data points to that question. And the two things that rise above the most, by far the most, were the fear of failure and the fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they come out in different ways. I just don't want to screw up in front of my friends. Or I'm afraid of speaking up in the meeting because I'm new here. Or I, it doesn't matter you know, how good I do at work. I feel like I'm constantly letting down people at home. Or if I'm at home, I feel like I'm letting down the people at work. And what we boiled it down to were those twin thieves. And we call them twins because they look the same, but they're not. They look the same, but they are a little bit different. The fear of failure and the fear of judgment. And they're thieves because we believe that nothing robs you and the people listening to this podcast more of their greatness, of their growth, of their presence and their relationships than believing the lies of the fear of failure and the fear of judgment. Yeah, I mean, preaching to the choir. This is when I grabbed this book that I'm holding up, The Twin Thieves, when you and uh, Steve first put it out. And for those that don't know, Steve Jones is your partner in the Jaden Jones kind of enterprise that you're building. And Steve is arguably the best high school football coach ever to live in the state of Wisconsin. Um, And he speaks all over the country on the same subjects, just like you do. Um, So if you don't, if you guys haven't heard of Steve Jones, uh, do a quick hit pause right now, do a quick Google search, and you'll be blown away at what these two are putting together. But I'll tell you, when when reading The Twin Thieves, I loved this book because, number one, it's in a story format about football. I can follow that. Like, I'm a simple guy. You know this. So the, the, the format was great. But the lessons within the book were so, like, chapter by chapter, you could take it and you could literally, like, read one chapter and then I could go execute on that. And while reading this, I actually created you know, because you were working with me. I use this book for all of my coaching framework for our middle school and high school basketball team. So I just want to say thank you for that book, because I know that the way that it impacted me, it's got to have had that same impact. I see on Instagram and Twitter and all over the place, people that'll post pictures of that book constantly. So thank you for that. I want to rewind to before the book and kind of jump ahead to where I had on my questions. But before the book was was out, before, you know, Lucas was an expert in the mental skills, where were you drawing your inspiration from? Because like you said, 10, 15 years ago, this wasn't a thing. And you are you kind of stumbled onto a few things and became who you are today. Where were you drawing some inspiration from? And what were some of those early wins, so to speak, that you had that you noticed that continued you on this journey? Yeah, you know, it's a really a great question. And I like to say usually for early teachers, because I'm really proud that we're one of the early adopters of mental skills. And I think we've had a good influence um, in making mental skills, that phrase, even a a thing. Mm, (laughs) Um, Because I guess what I'd love to start with is some of the myths. What I learned the hard way when I was struggling to sleep at night, when I was walking around the school with my hood up because I couldn't slow down my thoughts and they were just, oh man, it was just an obsessive circle 
was number one is one of the things that I dislike to this day when people say is you just got to think positive. Like mm -hmm. you just got to think positive. Number one, it's not helpful. And number two is just not true. When I was struggling the most, I tried every version of thinking positively. I tried praying more. I tried wearing my lucky socks to like fix these thoughts. And it just, none of it worked. And what I learned is that I had a control issue. Most of your listeners do as well. And what I mean by that is a lot of times what gets you to where you are isn't going to get you to the next level. Sure, working hard, forcing things, it will get you to a certain level of business. It'll get you to a certain level of accomplishment. And for me, that's what I was used to. I controlled most of my settings. I worked really hard. I grinded things out. But that's not how your thoughts work. You know, we call it the little man voice. Can you just, when that little person voice, that inner critic inside of you gets loud, can you just stop it? Like, you know, if you're snapping your fingers, if your listeners are doing this now, just snap your fingers with me. And now when I say stop, you can stop. That's controllable. Mike, does your little man voice work like that? Never has. <laughs> it gets louder. When you tell it to stop, it gets louder. Yeah. And that's the lie. You know, a lot of people like to teach you, you've got, you just got to stop it. You got to control that little voice inside of you. And I've just learned every way not to control it. <laughs> and what I, I've learned over time is it's not about controlling that voice, but about relating to it and responding to it. And for me, it was learning things like that the hard way that really helped me in my teaching because there are some of my colleagues that teach things that I just go inherently, yeah, I know that doesn't work. Mm. Why? Because I experienced it uh, firsthand. And so number one, I just started to really listen to what life was trying to show me in front of my face. For all of your listeners, I know they like to look external of where to learn. I would challenge them to look internal. Look at what life is presenting you and trying to tell you right where you are. But then secondly, I drew on so many people, um, YouTube, books. I, I just can't even start to begin uh, where it was. I was able to have the blessing of joining Joshua Medcalf and his company, um, I learned from a lot of his work, but then also just from teachers all across the U.S. and the world, Peter Crone, um, and many folks that helped me to start to piece together my mental skills framework for myself and then what I have ultimately or taught. Yeah, so rolling off of that, and just to give the listener an idea of where we're going with this, I want to I piggyback on some things that you hear, com I mean, you mentioned, you know, just stop as a common common advice that you maybe get. I want to, I want to piggyback on some common advice that is out there in the quote unquote marketplace today. Um, that's just plain bad. I want to identify some of that because there's a lot of it, right? There's, um, the personal growth industry, mental skills is, is growing. It's an industry that's getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, you see a 19 year old YouTuber out there that's telling you, just whatever this advice may be. And you know that they haven't experienced anything yet. Like there's a lot of that out there. And and where I want to go with this is then after we identify some of those things, pivot to what's working right now, real time with Lucas's clients that actually is working, that people can take, that is, uh, that you're seeing in the marketplace, in the real world, and it's working for people. So let's start out with some of those things that are commonly that we hear in the marketplace that's just straight up bad, just not good. What are some of the most common myths that you hear? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, you I shared like one already. Go right at it. Right. 
um, is, well, first off, none of these are inherently bad things. I just don't think they're getting to the root. We believe in the phrase, I think John Gordon might have said it, of address the root and not the fruit. Okay, so anything of practicing gratitude, visualizing, um, mindful meditation, I love all of those things. And I do help my clients to install them into routines, but they're rarely the root. What do I mean by that? Um, the root of most of the challenges is that little person voice that's running subconscious invisible levers into why we do what we do. And I'll give you a little bit of an example. One of my clients right now, um, he has started an incredible finance company with his partners and they, they would see him as a bulldog, man, this guy pushes things through. A lot of your listeners are probably like that. Um, but it got to a point where even on the weekends, when he was trying to be home with his kids, his wife, he, his mind was just constantly trying to push things through bulldog things. And so what he learned is what got him there wasn't going to get him to where he wanted to go next. And so what our work looks like before I would say, well, you need to do mindful meditation mm. or you need to start just practicing gratitude. That's not what he needs. What he needs most is to understand why, why, where does this unrelenting drive to feel like I'm achieving come from? Where does this unrelenting drive where I can't even rest, where I can't be present, where is this coming from? And so we unpack, and with him in his case, growing up, he had an alcoholic father who was abusive at times to the point where he'd be laying at bed and when, in his bed, and when he would hear his dad come home after bar close, he could tell by the way his dad walked mm. if he needed to hide, if he needed to protect himself, and here's kind of the key thing, if he needed to protect his brother. And he remembered as we went through this, he remembered one story in particular where his dad came home and his brother had spilled something and he knew this and he knew his brother was about to get the wrath and he stepped in the middle of it and said, I did it. Dad, I, I spilled the milk. I did it. And he took the wrath of that instead of his brother. And um, when we unpack this, so where did this bulldog mentality come from? Well, it came from in that scenario, he had one of two th ways to figure this out. Either he was just going to give in to the wrath of his dad, or he was going to figure out, how do I make my dad proud? How do I get praise for my dad? And at that time, it was through athletic performance. So mm. he fooled everything into being a high performer. He became a perfectionist. He became those things that everything that it needed to do to get his ducks in a row and sure, he was a D1 athlete. Sure, he continued that and to start a finance company at a very young age. All of that was, a, you know, some good results of that. But underneath it, the fuel was fear. And what we want to do is unpack. Well, what was he afraid of? It was just not being enough, um, just not being good enough. And I think a lot of my clients, they drive from that source of scarcity, of insecurity, of self-doubt without even knowing it. And that's what keeps us inside of these perpetual cycles of being a people pleaser, of not having boundaries, of constantly overcommitting, of not following through on what we say we're going to do, of burnout, of all these things that you hear about. I want to know, well, what's underneath the surface pulling the invisible le levers? 
once we help people become aware of that, now they can start to become conscious decision makers instead of unconscious reactors. What's a way that somebody like, how do you identify some of those things that maybe have super subtle too, right? Like there could be things there not could be, there clearly is things in all of our pasts that affect us today. Something that happened 32 years ago that affects you now that you might not even, you might not even think like that's not even where your mind goes as to why this issue is caused by that. Yeah. How does a person start thinking through that? I'm, I'm just trying to like, you know, I've, I've done some exercises with you. So where yeah. does a person go to try to identify some of those things? Well, and number one is you, you've nailed it because it's really hard to do by yourself. And I would honestly say that the best investment people can make is by finding a coach or somebody that can help them to see those faster. Um, Cause I meet a lot of business clients who have 4,000 square foot dreams, I like to say, but their foundation for what they're building mm. on, the mindset is about 400 square feet and it doesn't add up. So it's really hard to see the levers from your own perspective. Um, but if someone just wanted to start now, the first thing I would say is where do you get triggered the most? what frustrates you the most and when you're triggered in those moments just start to listen to the narrative inside of your inside of your head what is your little person voice saying write down the top 10 things throughout the day that that voice of fear insecurity and self-doubt is saying just write those down and what you'll notice is it's not the first time that that little person voice has made that track that those thoughts have been around for a while and then I would ask the next question, where did they start? Where do you remember them beginning at? Because we are called dependents for a reason. We depend on, when we're, when we're kids, we depend on our caretakers. And usually we absorb their belief system. And so that's where I would begin. And for everyone listening who has kids, it is crucial that you do this work. Why? Because you might commit to generational wealth. A lot of my clients have been very successful in the monetary world, but I always challenge them that, you know, what's even more painful to hand down than little money is the generational chains of your little person voice. Mm. And that is contagious. Your kids feel your fear. Your kids feel your insecurity. And if you don't handle that and reconcile that, then to me, well, to me, that's the end game right there. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind went is like a, a kid, I'm thinking of my kids, I have four kids, and I could see that how this would show up for them and, and where they're at now, they couldn't articulate what is happening when they're acting a certain way. And a lot of times, maybe my default would be to be just whatever, insert, insert the blank, just stop, just whatever. They, they don't even know. I, as a 34-year-old adult, sometimes don't know how to deal with that. So how can I expect my 8-year-old son to deal with that? Do you see that commonly across a lot of your clients where it funnels or it, it funnels down into the kids at times and they're trying to make a conscious effort at changing that? It's not sometimes. <laughs> Our kids are really bad at doing what we say. And they are really good 
at becoming more like who we are. Hmm. And so for what you just said, a lot of people are searching to find freedom from the outside. What do I mean by that? If I just make more money, then blank. If I just get the certain promotion, then blank. Get a bigger house, get a nicer car. And nothing, I want to be clear, is inherently wrong with any of those things. I love helping people get those results. But if you do all those things, but you still live underneath the prison of your little person voice, things that have been sewn into you, you know, when you were five, six, seven years old, you're not free, in my opinion. And so what I want people to do is experience material freedom, but also, and probably most importantly, experience mental freedom. Yeah, for sure. And and I can just share an example. This might not be true of everybody, but for those listening, I can share an example of myself is what I often find is that the things that I'm most frustrated with in my kids from a day to day basis are actually it's actually a mirror of frustrations with myself. I'm just seeing it in them, if that makes sense. So, you know, for those who don't know my story, you know, who don't know my full story, I was a I was I'm a former fat kid, right? So I growing up, there was a time in my life where I was extremely overweight. So when I see my oldest son that wants to go to the fridge at night and start eating, I get angry at him. But really, it's just unresolved issues with myself that I'm portraying out onto him and I'm taking it out on him, which is not fair. But I would have to assume that shows up a lot for people where it's just the outward expression of what they're feeling inside. Yeah. So I just want you to, I know we spent some time there and uh, one of the myths of mental skills is quick fixes. Like, you know, if you just do this thing, it's the silver bullet. And maybe that's not exactly what your listeners wanted to hear was, Hey, it's some deep work. Like Mm -hmm. it is unpacking what's invisible, but man, the rewards are often quick and bigger than what you'd ever imagine. I mean, I, we see them every single day with our clients results that uh, blow me away at times when people rise above that little person voice, tap into that internal voice of courage, and then design their life and their behavior around that, and then are held accountable to it. Man, the results have been incredible. Yeah. And I think just like what you mentioned, I mean, not even five minutes ago is just identifying where you get triggered the most as a great place to start literally just taking inventory of that because just knowing the areas where you're finding yourself most triggered brings awareness to that which then can help you even if you don't know what to do next you're at least aware and you're like okay i should probably i'm alert i'm aware that this is a this is a trigger for me i'm going to tone it down you know and in that just that awareness itself is a huge a huge place to start yeah and i I know we're going to talk about routines you know that you had brought up to get really concrete but i want to paint this story a little bit um i had a client who was working on building his business to ultimately sell it and his barrier of i'm not quite enough held him back in a lot of areas um he wasn't as confident showing up um he was hesitant and so he blew those up and then accelerated the growth of his business by, act, by focusing on a few action items that were, were great. And then when he sells his business, gets his big payday, sees those numbers come across in his account, um, 
it was funny because I'll never forget the call. He's like, man, I finally get it. He's like, I finally get that money wasn't going to fix this. Mm. <laughs> and he goes, and I finally get what you meant of this doesn't go away just because of a bank account. Because then what he was worried about, what his little person voice was worried about is what's next. Mm -hmm. I can't turn around. I, that would be an embarrassment. Um, and so he started another company. And of course, that little person voice was, things are great right now, but when's the next shoe going to fall? And so what he realized was stuck in that old paradigm of the little man voice, it's a lose-lose situation. When things aren't good, revenue-wise or whatever it might be, that little person voice says it's never going to get better. And then when things are good, that little person voice is paranoid saying, it's never going to stay this way. You've got to look out. And so we've just worked on helping him to rise above it, hmm. having a healthy ownership of that voice, deciding how he wants to go about his time, trusting that it's going to work out instead of being afraid that it's not. Man, that's an awesome story. And so true. You hear that because people... Once they retire or sell a business, they almost kind of lose an identity of who they are. And there's yeah. no amount of money that's going to change change that. What do you find is the difference between somebody who's elite with their mental skills and maybe somebody who is aspiring to be, to be elite or maybe not quite there yet? Yeah. Let me give you, I brought these chains today. You know, I like to reference them. Here is average. Average, for those that are just listening, I've just wrapped some big chains around my neck. Uh, you should see me get these on a flight. Um, but uh, You're overweight every single time you check a bag, right? With those, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, average is this metaphor, people show up with chains on, metaphorically speaking. So what do I mean by that? They show up with their talent. They show up with their training, but it's weighted down. It's slower. It's harder. And this is what I see for average elite people that have done the work and understand mindset. They know how to take these chains off on a daily basis. It's not a one-time thing. They can take the chains off on a daily basis to show up and bring the best that they have that day. And hundred percent of what I have today might not be the same as what I had yesterday, but you can still bring hundred percent. But if you show up under the weight of that little person voice, the lies that maybe were sewn into you a long time ago, you are always going to underperform. And then to just show you what happens, like what are the results of that? Number one, people are short-term sighted. They're looking for the quick win. We often compare ourselves very harshly when we have those chains on, when that little person voice is guiding. We're never enough. Um, Oftentimes, the work that it takes to give maximum effort, like to really get the results, we think we're broken. Like it's a sign of weakness. How come somebody else had it come easier? Mm. And then probably most importantly, we view getting help and support from other people as a sign of our weakness. And the success of others becomes a threat to us. Mm. Whereas if you flip all of that and people that have honed their mindset, they tap in to that big man voice inside of them. The one that reminds them that they are loved, that they are enough, but that they're gonna have to keep growing if they wanna get better. Those people embrace the work behind the scenes. The, win in, the work in the dark, as my first book um, talked about. Those people love 
surrounded by successful people because they get joy when other people succeed because they know they can learn from them. In the Twin Thieves, we call that mudita, having a team of people who get their own excitement and joy authentically through the success of others. Um, people that have honed their mindset have a white belt mindset. What do I mean by that? They are hungry learners because they know if I have a white belt mindset, it's going to help me build and keep a black belt skill set. Mm, and so that's good. a lot of my work done with people in the LA Dodgers organization. And it's an organization that when you look at the past decade, it's hard to find an organization that's higher performing than they are. And the thing that's blown me away by them is how many questions they ask, how egoless they are, how much they love feedback. And that's the challenge with the white belt mindset is can you continue to search out feedback? Can you continue to experiment, learn with the same vigor and passion that you had when you were just a beginner? And to me, that's how you stay on the cutting edge as a black belt. And then just two last things that came to mind are number one is learning velocity. It kind of goes with white belt mindset. This is a term that I'm pretty sure we coined, but the learning velocity is how quickly do you consume, do you comprehend, and do you implement? I see a lot of people who are just addicted to consumption. They think just reading the next book, listening to another podcast is learning. It's not. Um, it is just at times, sometimes it's procrastination. What I challenge my, my folks with is be intentional with what you're consuming because you only have so much brain space. Consume it, comprehend it, and implement it. The faster you can do that cycle, that's how fast your learning velocity is. And we train our companies and our leaders that your LV must be greater than your RC. Your learning velocity must be greater than your rate of change. And that's what we're challenging a lot of people on. And you got to imagine, if you're driven by your little person voice, you don't like change because it's scary. You don't like the uncertainty because it's unknown. All right. And so the last thing that I wanted to bring up, people that have honed that mindset, to overcome that little person voice, to tap another big man voice, they practice what we call aggressive patience. So one of the phrases that we hear a lot is just trust the process. You know, Mike, your business isn't working, just trust the process. Your relationship isn't working, just trust the process. And there is total merit in it. It's a matter of semantics. But what I found is sometimes when people told me that in the past, I actually get a little pissed. <laughs> like, I don't like that phrase as much and because it kind of feels helpless. And what we've learned instead is aggressive patience has gone a lot further with our high performers. What do we mean by that? Aggressive in the things that you can control and patient in the things that you cannot. Mm. It's that simple. Aggressive in what is within my control to drive revenue, to build the relationship, to get my body where I want it to be aggressive tweaking the things I can't control, but patient in the things that are not within my control, the results, what other people think, the ratings. Um, and that's what we've been challenging people with. Set the direction and then show ridiculous amounts of aggressive patience. Wow. Everybody, if you don't rewind the last four to five minutes and re-listen to that masterclass, you definitely got your money's worth 
for what it cost you to show up to this episode today, which was free 99. Uh, that was a masterclass white belt mindset with a black belt skill set. You're learning velocity, right? Consume, comprehend and implement and aggressive patience. Those are wow. That's a masterclass there. As it comes to learning velocity, do you find that with those that you work with, that that within itself, the um, consumption, comprehension, implementation piece of that, is that a skill within itself that you can get better at? You can get better at consuming, you can get better at comprehending what you just consumed, and then quicker at implementing? Is that something that you can, with more reps, you can get better at? 100%. We see it all the time. And I would say that's one of the biggest factors that we help our people with, because if we can help you get better at that process, the sky's the limit in how you can get results for that. One of the things that I think that I can fall into, and I'm speaking for myself, not for, but if anybody can relate to this listening is really falling in love. You mentioned a little bit with the consumption piece of that, and even the comprehension piece of that, you can consume and then comprehend and understand that. But I do believe that there's the point in which you can get consumption overload, I'll call it. You coined the phrase learning velocity. I'll coin the phrase consumption overload. Because what happens for me personally is I'm learning new things all the time that sometimes, one, I'm just addicted to learning and not necessarily implementing. And then I actually, there's so much learning that happens in my mind that I lose track of everything that I learned and almost forget what I should do to take the next step. Is that is that common in the world of high performers and people that love podcasts, love books, and yeah. just love to read? Yeah, but I think one of the unique skills that keeps high performers high performers is they know what to execute and when to execute and they do it. Mm. Um, you know, Dave Roberts from the Dodgers, um, the manager for them who I've had the opportunity to work with for a long time, one of the things that he brought up to me um, was just that he's gotten really good at doing what he say what he says he's going to do. And I just think that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like if your listeners did one thing today off of this podcast, and that is made the commitment where I'm going to do 100% of what I say I'm going to do. If they just did that one thing for the things that were within their control. Yeah. Things change. And what we'll, what we'll find is we can be very loose with language. We can be very loose, very easy to commit to things verbally, but then not do it. And it's something that this is an everyday commitment to make your words matter and actually do what we say we're going to do. Yeah. And you talk about everyday commitment. I want to I touch briefly on routines uh, in a minute here before we kind of land this plane. Um, We talked a little bit about before we started recording what's working right now for your clients. You just gave a masterful uh, class in white belt learning velocity and aggressive patience. Is there anything more that you wanted to add as to what's working right now? Or are those three things kind of what you were alluding to? No, those are those are really great. I mean, the only things that I would add is Number two is I think there's really two important buckets to fill if you're serious about your performance. One is a one-on-one coach, someone that really knows you and can call you on your stuff, challenge you, that understands your invisible levers and can challenge you 
to go into them. Because most of your folks here, they're really good BSers. Hmm. Like you can probably talk the talk and make, you know, make it seem like you're being very productive. It takes a special coach to call you on your stuff. And so that is one area. Um, and I think it's still very rare, but if you look at the high, to have a one-on-one coach, but if you look at the best performers, many of your listeners had, were in sports. When you look at people that are truly consistent, most of them have coaches. And so that's number one. And then number two, um, is having a group to circle around you. Something that we've just now built as of late is we're surrounding all of our one-on-one clients also with the community that we have. Cause I think it just adds so much value. So I would ask your people, you know, who are your one-on-one, who's your one-on-one person that helps hold you accountable and don't answer your spouse. Your spouse can help be that, but it's not a healthy role for them mm. to be your coach. All right. They're an equal, they're a partner. Um, and then two is what, um, what is the group that you're a part of? And um, in that group, there's two things that they can help you to do. Number one is to go into the storm. That's the story that we reference in the book of how when storms come, cows will witness them and run the other way, trying to avoid them. But buffalo turn and head into the storm. Um, and we want people to have the mindset of a buffalo and to have tough conversations, to deliver those conversations to the right people at the right time, to have tough negotiations, to do the hard things. And what I've seen is we're really good at letting ourselves down, but we will not let people that we care about down. Mm. And that's the power of that community. And so those are two things in addition to some of the nuggets that I shared with you that are helping our community. Yeah, and that's so true. I think about sometimes I think about discipline as an easy one to refer to would be as it comes to your personal health, right? And for me, I find it that I don't have the discipline to not eat the cookies when, especially around Christmas time, right? There's a lot of cookies, there's a lot of sweets. But there also is a discipline in knowing that about yourself so you don't bring those cookies into the house, right? So you set your environment up for success. And you like, because like you said, you can let yourself down. But when you set your environment intentionally with that community of people, you don't want to let other people down. So man, that's so good. Before you move on, I know it's, we've, we're developing a whole roadmap of skills and you and I could have, we've already had a lot of conversations, but one of them at the foundational level is be the architect of your environment, Mm -hmm. not the Right. And that um, is just a fundamental layer of that roadmap. Yeah, 100 percent. And a good resource for that, one that really changed the way I looked at it, was a book by Ben Hardy called Willpower Doesn't Work. I don't know if you've read that, but for listeners, I would suggest, you know, um, just buy that book on Audible and listen to it. It's really it's really good. But talking about exactly what Lucas is talking about here, designing your environment, because we all know that. In ch- think about it. When you go to church, you act different than when you're at home, right? When you go to the coffee shop, it's different than when you're in your office. So different environments make us think and act differently. So why not, if you're if you're looking for a hack, you know, air quotes hack, create the environment that you want to be in. You know, actively pursue and create that in your life. Um, I want to touch on routines quick before before I let you go. 
Um, you know, we hear a lot about routines. You got to get up and you got to, you can't eat for 37 hours, but then you got to drink your two black coffees and you got to get in the sauna and then do a cold plunge and take a cold shower and then run around your house four times. What would you find right now? What are some of the most impactful? I'm going to ask you a three-part question. Some of the most impactful routines, something that's the biggest bang for your buck that you see with your clients. And then also like the one thing that somebody can take today that's listening to this and they can implement it once this episode's over. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Easy question right there. Um, right. No, it's actually one of the biggest things our clients have been taking away is what we call the five S's. It's a language. Um, I think people generally prescribe way too easily and they say, Hey, cold plunges are great for everybody. Um, and that's just not the case. Like, um, I've done a lot of learning in Ayurveda and it's a very deep science of some body types are going to respond better to mm. cold plunge. Some body types are going to respond better to intermittent fasting. Others, you try that, you're going to experience more anxiety and a lot of different things. So I would just encourage people to understand their body type, um, and look at what is the benefit most beneficial for them. However, we have found five S's that I think do apply to everybody. Number one um, in the five S's is stillness. How are you pausing in your crazy chaotic days? How are you finding stillness? Could be one breath, could be meditating for 20 minutes, um, but how are you finding that calm among the storm? Number two um, is sweat. How are you moving your body? Okay, for some people, intense workout is going to be better fit for their body type. For others, it's a walk, but it's figuring out what is best for me and am I doing it? Number three, social. Who are you surrounding yourself with? You surround yourself with life givers, I promise you are going to feel different. You surround yourself with life takers, same thing. All right? Um, number four on, on that list is structure. Structure being... How are you laying out your days? Mm. Uh, what does that look like? And you know, how are you going about planning for um, those days? And then, um, now I've, I've talked too much. I gotta think about my fifth S here. Um, oh, number five, I call it the most important workout of the day, sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and like, there's so much um, science on it now and it's almost overused where people have made it white noise, but for my clients, I say it is your most important workout of the day. How are you sleeping? Are you treating it that way? Do you have routines around it to help um, get great sleep? And if they just Google it, there's so many resources out there. If I was going to challenge them with one thing, because a lot of your folks listening to those five, they're like, well, nothing new there, Lucas. And I sometimes new, it's just the old things that are the reality. And I would challenge them to on a daily basis, just check in from zero to 10 and score yourself. 10 being you did a great job in that area, zero being not at all, no sevens. And just calculate your score after a week and try to get a baseline score and, and really up it. But if there is one routine, just one thing that I could challenge them to do, since we're in the frame of mindset, this is a routine that I've been challenging a lot of our people with, is to own the pause, press pause. So when you feel that trigger inside, just pause and think, what response will help me in the long term? 
Okay, so give you some examples. You come home after work and your spouse is busy too, and without even saying hello, they say something to you that just feels short. Your little person voice says, what the heck? They don't appreciate me. Um, how can they be like this? They have no idea what I went through all day. Before you respond <laughs> or react, just pause and go, hmm, what would be best for our relationship going forward in the long term? Mm -hmm. What's not is snapping on them. Okay, your kid is at a basketball tournament this weekend coming up and struggles, doesn't play as aggressive as what you'd hope. Your little person inside is frustrated, says, you know what, if they don't get it together, this is the beginning of the end of their career. Um, what a disappointment. You need to go and coach them up. You need to get in there, tell them all the things that they did wrong. I hope you pause and just go, wait a second. What's best long term? Long term. The best thing I promise you long term to give them a hug, tell them, I, I just love watching you play. Mm. And then later on, if they bring it up, if they bring up that opportunity to share, then you talk about performance. Um, you know, or in your business, you get that hot inbound email from a client that you valued for a long time that might not re-up after the year um, or whatever it might be. Before you go into all panic mode and freak out, just pause and be like, okay, wait a second. I'm not gonna believe the drama that my little person is creating right now, but what can I do here? So I would just, I would love if they implement that routine, um, some good things will happen. Man, that's so good. There's a couple riffs that you have here that I would highly encourage everybody to go back, rewind, listen to the five S's. I love that. And you mentioned something, you know, oh, the listeners will listen to this and not, you know, oh yeah, I've heard that before. One thing that John Vroman said at one of our retreats for Front Row Dads that really stuck with me that kind of alludes to your five S's is it's not always about something new, but it's about something that's true. And that's with those five S's. There might not be new. It's sleep. It's not new that you <laughs> that you need sleep, right? But it's a truth in our life that more sleep, better quality sleep is going to give you a better quality of life. And owning the pause, man, for those of you, I don't, don't pause the show right now, but own the pause in your life because I know just less than 24 hours ago, I didn't own the pause and I reacted. And, uh, that's something that I'm going to take away today, man. This has been awesome. Lucas, before we dive into where people can find out more about you and, and your books and what you and Steve are doing, is there anything else that, that we didn't touch on that you just, that you want to talk about, or, uh, are you going to consider the mic already been dropped? <laughs> now I just want to encourage people that if you're listening to this, wherever you are right now, I want to commend you for your commitment to continuing to grow. And that wherever you are in your journey, it is always just a continual improvement. And I don't want to stand here like I have it all figured out, just like Mike has shared many times. This is an everyday practice to take your chains off, to go into the storm, to practice aggressive patience, and to truly be present for the people that you love the most. It's an everyday opportunity to make that happen. That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, go get the book. The Twin Thieves, Win in the Dark. Uh, Lucas is at jadenjones.com. Lucas, where else can people find you on the social webs? What's the best way to connect with you? You're building a community right now. 
Uh, you and Steve have been putting in a ton of work the last six months on building a coaching community for high-performing business people and coaches. Also, one-on-one, -on -one, you guys speak all over the country. Where is the best place for people to get in touch with you? The best place is um, our website, jaden-jones.com or on LinkedIn. Um, just search us and, and send a message and we will follow up. Well, we will definitely link to that and everywhere that you are available as Steve as well. We'll have to get Steve on here as well. Um, but man, Jaden, Jaden, <laughs> Lucas Jaden, thanks so much for, uh, for being here today. This was awesome. There is so many nuggets packed into this 57 minute interview. Um, you helped a lot of people today. So thanks a lot for being here. Thank you, Mike. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you.